Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, I want to I wanna take today to continue to honor the moms, but also maybe in a broader sense, honor the women um, in, in, uh, that, have, that have come before us, that are in our life, and really talk about some of the, uh, one specific woman in Scripture who taught us a lot. Uh, before we get to her, I think it would be right of us to admit and to acknowledge that when you open up your Bible and you read about the women in Scripture, there's some heavy hitters in there. Amen? There's some women who did some very significant things. I mean, let's just start off with Mary. Kind of a big deal. Kind of did something significant. She kind of birthed the Savior of the world. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give it 11, right? She, she kind of made a difference. We have Mary Magdalene, who uh, many of you know the story when Jesus was buried at the tomb and he, he rose three days later. Who was the first one at the tomb? Mary, a woman. He said he was going to be, be raised three days later. She was there waiting. And she was given the, um, the responsibility, I love this, to take the message of him being raised from the dead back to all the men who were hiding in the house crying about it. Yeah, 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 I, I knew y'all like that one. Now, this is not, it's not about bashing the men today. Let me just get, get it straight. But she was there. She had a significant role in the resurrection of Jesus and sharing that good news. I think we have to mention um, one that we all know about is Esther. Man, she saved an entire, her entire race, her entire people. She had to step out in boldness and confidence, risking her life with the king to stand up for her people. The point that I'm trying to make is that man or woman in here, we have something to learn from the women in Scripture. We have something to, to learn from the women in our life. Um, in fact, today, we're going to learn about a woman who did something so significant it was so significant that Jesus made this statement. He said, wherever the good news is preached, I'm going to talk about what she did. Wherever the good news goes, wherever the gospel of grace goes, I'm actually, I want the story of what this woman did, I want it to be remembered and I want it to be talked about. You may know the story I'm referring to. It's in Matthew chapter 26. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Anybody have a real Bible in here today? You brought a real one. We have a present for you today. No, we don't, but I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Matthew chapter 26 in verses 6 through 13. This is the story of this woman. We're going to learn from her today. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over the head of Jesus. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? In other words, Jesus said, this woman is right and all you guys are wrong. She's doing the right thing. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I'll tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. 
Isn't it fascinating that even today, thousands of years later, I'm going to be talking to you about what this woman did. My point in that is Jesus was right. <laughs> Jesus was right. This would be talked about forever. Wherever the good news is preached, what she did will be talked about, will be remembered. Today, what we're going to see in this story, what we're going to draw from this story is one word, humility. I want to talk to you today about humility. Uh, Steve-O, he came last week and he opened up a message on humility. And as I was sitting there listening to him, I really felt like the Lord wanted the, our congregation, our people. I felt like he told me, like, you need to stay here. Let's, let's continue to talk about this. Now, I know this is not the most Mother's Day friendly message because um, humility can be super convicting, right? But as I really got to think about it, I was like, man, if there's anything that we can look at as an example in, this, in the natural life of what humility looks like, it's being a mom. I mean, moms, let's just admit, it's, being a mom is one of the most humble things you can do. It is literally none of you and all of them little chitlins, all them little things running around, waking you up, changing your body, doing all the things that they did to you. And they're still doing to you. It literally is the most humble thing. So I actually think this is the best Mother's Day message that I'll ever preach. It is literally like this is what Mother's Day is all about. So today I want to talk to you about humility. Let's pray. God, we humble ourselves before you. We thank you that you have all the answers and we don't. <laughs> that we're every, we, we declare we are everything in you but we also remember that we're nothing without you. We ask you to, uh, to teach us today. Reveal to us areas of our pride and selfishness. Reveal areas we need to grow in our humility. And we just say yes to it right now. We just say yes to your teaching in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. 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 Now, the first thing I, I want to start off saying about humility today is that there's probably not many of you that really even need to hear this message if you're like me. When it comes to humility, you're probably crushing it like me. Not, not, not many of you deal with pride or that selfishness stuff. But for those of you who do, I'm glad you came today because we're all going to help you. <laughs> we're all going to pour out our ministry upon you. No, no, let's be, let's be honest. We all deal with pride and selfishness, don't we? There's not a person in here that doesn't need God's grace in the area of humility, that doesn't need God's help when it comes to being humble. In fact, um, uh, this probably won't happen, but just in case it does, if you ever find yourself in the middle of a message and the pastor is preaching on humility and you have the thought, oh, I'm good with this one. That is the red flag saying, oh, you need it more than everyone else in the room. This is an area, don't get me wrong, can you grow in your humility 100%? Can you actually look at yourself and be honest and say, you know what, I've, I've actually been doing good on the whole humble thing. You can, in all humility. In fact, Steve-O was preaching last week and brought up that scripture, I believe it was in Numbers, talking about how Moses was the most humble and Moses was the one who wrote the book. He, he was the one who pinned that about himself. 
Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. But I think you can. You can, you can look at yourself and have an honest evaluation about, about your humility. But the truth is we all need God's help in this area. And here's why we need his help. Because humility is the nature of our spirit, but it is not the nature of our flesh. Humility is the nature of the spirit. It is the nature of our little s spirit and, and, the, and the big s Holy Spirit. It is, it is a part of him. It's his nature. Oh, but it is not the nature of our flesh. Because you know what the nature of our flesh is? Pride and selfishness. Every person in here. All of our flesh is the same. Our flesh wants what it wants. And it wants what it wants when it wants it. And it wants what it wants when it wants it, how it wants it. There is this part of us, if you read scripture, you realize there is a, there is a, a difference between our spirit nature and our flesh, our sinful nature. Now, let me just be clear. I believe that who we really are in Christ is we are a spirit. I, I, I want to declare over you today, you are not selfish and you are not prideful. But we have to be honest. The flesh is still there, isn't it? It's not who we are, but it's a part of who we are. It's, it's, Galatians 5 talks about the battle between uh, the spirit and the flesh and how the flesh wants to do things and how the spirit wants to do things. And it's always constantly in battle with one another. And the number one thing your flesh wants is it wants what it wants. It's prideful. It's selfish. Which is why we have to have God help us in our humility. You see, the flesh, I don't know if you notice this, when you wake up, your flesh is not renewed. Uh-oh, I got a preach in here. Some of y'all are looking at me weird. When you woke up today, your flesh was not renewed. You, went to, you may have renewed it when you went to bed, but something happened while you were asleep. And you woke up, and it was alive and well. Ready to be selfish again. Ready to be prideful again. You see, it's, it's, it is what it is. You actually can't shake the pride. You can't shake that selfishness. And there's not a place where you can come to. This is super encouraging, by the way. There's not a place that you can come to and be like, I've made it. I've defeated the flesh. You can tame it. But the best way is that you actually grow the spirit on the inside of you. And your spirit gets so big that when the flesh tries to rear its ugly head, it gets shut down by the spirit on the inside of you. This is, uh, how do you do that? You grow in humility. You take steps in humility. You want to know why? Now, 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 let me just tell you, this is why this is so important today. This is not about being in a, in, a, in a church service where you just feel like you got, you know, you got ridiculed and bashed the whole day and you leave kind of with your head down. No, no, no. There's a reason for this. Because it's because God makes an unbelievably powerful statement, one that should shake you. And you know what he says about pride and humility? He says that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let me break down what that def the definition of grace is. It is the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. God resists the proud, but he gives more of his undeserved favor to the humble. 
Now, just by a show of hands, if you would like more of that, would you raise your hand? Anybody want more grace? Anybody want more favor? Guess what releases it into your life? Humility. What is the key that opens the door to that grace and that favor? Humility. I believe humility is the very thing. It's, I wrote down this way. Humility is where life begins to flow. I'm talking about the life that Jesus, that bought and paid for. I'm talking about that Holy Spirit led, uh, blessed life. You know where it starts to flow? It starts to flow in the area of humility. When you bring humility into the situation, when you get humble, all of a sudden life begins to flow. And I would like to suggest to you today that if there's a place in your life that you're facing resistance after resistance after resistance, there's a possibility there could be pride there. I knew it was going to be quiet in here today, but I didn't know it was going to be this quiet. But a lot of times we, we are facing resistance and we're facing that. You know, you ever been in that place in life when it's just like you can't get it right and things just keep going wrong and whatever else? I'm not, I'm not looking for you to blame yourself, but I want to make you very aware. You know what? Ha- there might actually be some pride there. The reason you keep banging your head against the wall when it comes to your marriage is because all, both of you are just full of pride. You don't want to admit that you're wrong. You don't want to go low. Uh-oh, I'm really preaching now. You don't, it's, 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 it's there, it's apparent. <clears throat> and trust me, I get it. You know what? Humility ain't easy. It feels a lot better to be prideful. Pride feels good. It feels good to that flesh. <laughs> but God says, you know what? I actually resist the proud. I resist circumstances. Let me say it this way. This is really good. I resist circumstances where pride is present. But when you bring humility into that moment, when you bring humility into the circumstance, when you bring humility into the situation, guess what begins to flow? His grace. What do you need in your marriage? You need His grace. What do you need in your workplace? You need his grace. You need the very thing, the the grace that empowers you to do the thing you want to do. I'm talking about the grace that empowers you to live a victorious life. Romans 3.17, it says, How much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through Jesus Christ? You want to reign? Get some grace. You want some grace? You got to get humble. It's our humility who opens up more of those avenues where we can just start to flow in life and ease comes to it. I'm not saying that we don't ever go through anything hard or frustrating. or No, no, those things happen, but oh, I want his grace upon it. I, so what, is, what does humility look like? I want to talk about what humility, humility looks like today. I think there's no better place to go than the story that we read this morning. When I think about humility, (laughs) what is more humble than what this woman did to Jesus that day? Here Jesus is getting ready to go be crucified. He's hanging out in the house. And this woman walks in with this alabaster jar of perfume. And she begins to pour it over his head. Another scripture says that she poured it upon his feet and began to wash his, she began to wash his feet with her hair. 
if you've heard this story before, you probably know um, this one stat that I'm going to give you. But this, this, um, this ointment, this alabaster jar, it was actually worth a year's wages, a year's salary. Now, you might look back and go, oh, man, that was that much at that time. What I want you to do is I want you to think about it as being as much as you make right now. Some of you are like, it still ain't that much. But what I'm saying is it took you a year to get it. <laughs> it took you a year to get this. It was a year of hard work, a year of labor, a year of being paid for what you do. This is how much this thing was worth. You want to talk about sacrifice. You want to talk about a costly gift. What honor and what humility it takes to come in and pour that on the feet of Jesus. Well, you might not know. I just found out that this this little stat this week, this fact, is that this alabaster jar, the way that they worked, is they were actually sealed at the top. It's kind of like a, a, like a vase, had like a long neck. In order to get the ointment out, you know what you had to do? You had to break it. You had to break open the jar. In other words, when you broke it, it was time to use it. And it was time to use all of it. There was no saving it. You probably know this, they didn't have Tupperware back then. So it wasn't like, oh, man, this stuff's really good. It was a great present from my mom and my dad. I'm going to give Jesus 90%. I'm going to kind of hide, you know, 10% in my little Tupperware jar over here. Take it home. When it was broken, when she broke that thing open, she knew what she was doing. It was symbolizing the fact that she was going to pour out everything, that he deserved everything. There was no turning back. He got all of it. You can see even the motivation. <laughs> there was no, there, there was, it was impossible for any wrong motivation to be present when she, when she broke that jar. Like what I mean by that is she wasn't going to get anything out of it. That is true humility. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but true humility is you doing something, not, not wanting to get anything out of it. And she poured it out on his feet. Poured it out on his head. What humility and what honor we see. If you don't remember anything else that I preached today, I want you to put yourself in this story. And when you start to think about what does humility look like, that is what it looks like. This this moment, there's there's no doubt, and I'm not trying to be overdramatic here. I'm just saying there is no doubt that when she walked in and began to break this jar open, it captivated the entire room. No doubt. It took over the whole room. You even see the disciples, they, they, um, they respond. They're like, hey, what, what are you doing? We were in here having a good time, and you just came in here, and it got, got thick in here. The presence came. Things change. You kind of change the atmosphere. Yeah, because that's actually what humility will do. Today, I want us to discover three or four things that I believe this story actually teaches us about humility. So if you're a note taker, you're welcome today. 
because I got four points for you. You can write them down as all points and everything. <clears throat> Before I get there, just to, if I hadn't made a, a case for humility enough, <laughs> we've already talked about it, but I want you to remember what Jesus said about this. This one act of humility, he said, I want it talked about and remembered everywhere the good news is preached. You think that it's a big deal? You think Jesus cares about humility? You think he wants us to remember and discuss what it means to be humble? So let's look at four things that this woman actually taught us in Scripture. Here's the first thing about humility. Every time you humble yourself, you honor someone else. We've been talking about loving people over the last, about two weeks ago, I preached a message. One of the most, honor, one of the most loving things you can do is honor someone. I, I know this sounds like a simple statement, but I, there's so much power in it. Literally think about this. Every time you choose humility, you've just honored someone. Every time you choose to humble yourself, you honor someone else. Every time you choose to humble yourself in, your, in the argument you're having with your wife, you honor her. Every time you choose to humble yourself in that argument with your husband, oh yeah, I wasn't going to leave you alone. You honor him, which by the way is his ultimate love language. He would rather be honored than loved. Some are like, are you sure? Yes, I am. It's in the Bible. Ephesians 5, if you want to go look it up. Every time you humble yourself, guess who gets honored every single time? Him. Because just beyond the person that you're honoring is him. And you're literally honoring the ones that he loves the most, his people. What a great way. I mean, isn't this what we saw with her? There's no doubt this honored Jesus. There's no doubt. It even it played a factor in him heading to the cross. It was paramount that this happened. It was, one, it was her one act of humility. Every time you humble yourself. Man, you want some motivation to be humble? Know that every time you do it, you're going to honor someone. What a pure motive. I want to love people well. I want to honor people. You ever been honored by somebody? Anybody ever been honored so much it embarrassed you? You know what honor feels like? It feels good. When you get honored, like moms, as you get honored today, I promise you, you will like it. And you will think, one day is all I get? How about we keep this, let's make this a mother's week. A mother's day, what is that? Who did that, by the way? Obviously not a mom. She would have said Mother's Week. Mother's Month, alliteration, even better. Mother's Month. But our humility, every time we humble ourselves, we honor someone else. We lift someone else up. Someone say, that's a good word, Pastor. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm just working on my humility up here. <clears throat> so, Number one, every time you humble yourself, you honor someone else. Number two, what do we learn from her? Is that humility is costly. Humility will cost you something. Humility is expensive. You know what it usually ends up costing you? It usually ends up costing you your opinion 
and your feelings. You have to lay down your opinion and you have to lay down your feelings. I'm talking about those feelings that want to burst up out of your mouth. I'm talking about those that just want to come out of you. Humility, it's a sacrifice. Like, can we just be super honest? It's hard to be humble. In those moments when it's heated, in those moments where you want to give someone a piece of your mind, it takes a lot to close this. Am I right? <laughs> it costs something. It, it, becomes, a, it becomes a sacrifice. <clears throat> but what's the benefit? What's the reward? I'll tell you what the reward is. Grace. More grace. More favor. It is the price that we have to pay. <laughs> I said this in the first service. I hadn't thought about it this way. You know what it, you know what it costs most of us? It costs us our inner lawyer. Anybody got an inner lawyer on the inside of you? We were like, oh, I'm about to destroy this argument and this conversation. Everyone's about to bow their knee to my opinion. Oh, my wife's about to hear it. She thought she was right. Oh, she ain't right. Wait till she hears what I got to say. It, it costs that. that what, what is that? It's the flesh. It's just the flesh. And what we see here in one of the most amazing acts of humility is it portrays and symbolizes, oh, this actually does cost something. It costs something. So it honors, humility honors people. Humility will cost you. So if it hurts, you're doing it. <laughs> if, if, if you're hurting, you're probably doing something right when it comes to humility, amen? Number three, here's what humility does. I love this point. Humility gets on those around you. Humility will get on the people around you. When, you. when you choose to be humble, it will get into the atmosphere. In John chapter 12, verse 3, this is another um, account of the story. And it says this, Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Notice this next part. The house was filled with the fragrance. Your humility will get on the people around you. You ever been in that conversation? Maybe there's two or three people and there's someone who's just humble in the room. You, guess what it does to the whole conversation? Guess what it does to you? It makes you be humble. You kind of start to second guess what you want to say. You kind of start to see that humility on them. You're like, man, I... I should probably be a little more humble. Why? Because humility will get on the people around you. The, the, the fragrance, when she opened up this alabaster jar and began to perform this act of humility, it literally filled the room as if to symbolize, oh, humility will take over an atmosphere. Humility will get on the people. It will, it will change things. 
It's not just you or the person who gets to experience it. It's not just you or the person that you're honoring. Humility, like, like if you come into this place humble, it will change this room. You know, you, you know what we see in the story? It so, it so got on the people there. It so got on the disciples, it exposed their pride. Look at this. What did they say? She goes to, she breaks the jar, she begins to pour it out, and they, st- they stand up indignant. You know what that word means? It means they're mad about unfair treatment. And they say, um, excuse me, woman. This is my translation, by the way. Um, you could have sold that for a lot of money and then given the money to the poor. And, 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 and here's, here's the point that I'm making. Here's what the disciples said. I have a better idea. I have a better idea of what you should do with your gift and your money. You know what that is? It's that ugly, stinky thing called pride. Oh, I know better. I got a better idea. Uh, Do this. Oh, good idea, but I got something better. Anybody got any kids like that? Oh, come on, anybody got any kids like that? You tell them to do something and they're like, they go, yeah, but, and they begin to give you a better idea of how to do the thing you told them to do. I look at my kids all the time and say, I am smarter than you. I'm so much smarter than you, you have no idea. Your ideas, not better than mine. You're some of y'all like, that is so prideful. Well, I'm still working on it, okay? I actually don't, at, at this moment, I don't care. I'll be prideful if they can be humble. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's just here, you, you know what's crazy is that in another account, you know who the disciple was that said that? Judas. Judas, the one who stole money. And the one who gave up the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. He had the audacity to tell her what to do with her money. That is what pride will do. You know what ultimately pride leads to? Pride, will, pride leads to deception. He was so deceived. He had so much pride. He was deceived in thinking he could give advice to someone uh, to, to do something with their money when he was stealing. This is the ugliness of pride. This is the danger of pride in our lives. And I know this is serious, but it's true. Pride will deceive you. Pride believes lies and pride tells lies. And guess what humility exposed? Truth. Guess what humility led to? Truth. Jesus said, hey, hey, no, 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 you're all wrong. She's doing the right thing. This is the right thing to do. The point that I'm making, she didn't go in teaching a message on humility. She performed an act of humility and it got on the people around her. It got, it got in the, <laughs> it got in the air. It got in the food. It got in the conversation. You wanna know why I think that is? It's because ultimately what I believe is that humility invites the presence of God into the situation. His presence loves to fall on humility. 
His grace loves to fall on humility. If you need something to work out in your life, you need a situation to come to pass, you need, you know what you need? It's time for you to go low so that the presence of God comes into the situation. And guess what? Where the presence of God is, there is happiness, there is fullness of joy, it breaks yokes, it breaks bondages, it's God. That's what I believe actually happened. I believe that is what that represents, where the fragrance filled the room. It was his presence brought on from one humble act. Humility will get on those around you. And number four, true humility will have you go all in and empty yourself. This is, what, this is also what we learned from her. That true humility, it'll have you go all in and it will have you empty yourself. In other words, it'll have you break the jar and pour everything out. I was laughing about this one. You, you know what the truth is? You can't kind of be humble. I'm kind of humble. No, that's pride. <laughs> You're still prideful. You can't, you can't be 50% humble. You can't be 50% humble in a, in a conversation. Let's make more sense. Um, Anybody ever been in an argument in here before? I just want to make sure that I'm talking your language. No? Okay. All right. When you get into an argument, when you get into a conversation, and there's some disagreement, here's the truth. It's impossible for you to really receive everything that person is saying until you lay down, break open your jar, and you lay down your opinion completely. No, 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 I heard what they said. You heard, but you didn't listen. You were waiting for them to be quiet so you could say what you wanted to say. And I'm preaching to myself. This is, we, we all do this. Pride can't wait for the other person to stop talking. Pride can't wait to defend themselves. You know, you know that's one of the things that pride does? Pride defends itself. I'm going to defend me. I'm going to make, I, I, but I need you to understand what I'm, I need you to understand where I'm coming from. I need, you're protecting yourself. It's pride. It's selfishness. I, I want my motives to, to be heard. I want, no, no. You have, in order for you in a conversation, in an argument, for you to really hear what your spouse is saying, really hear what your boss is saying, really, you have to literally lay down your whole opinion. Am I saying that you shouldn't have an opinion? No. Am I saying that, that your opinion's wrong? No. Am I saying to lay down your beliefs? No, 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 no. I'm not saying don't have them. I'm saying lay them down. Because humility, you know what it does? Humility says, humility has this thought. I might actually be wrong here. Humility thinks they might actually be right. Humility thinks, you know what, they might actually reveal a side of, of God or this situation that I've never seen before. You see, you can't be 50% humble. You gotta pour it all out. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? This is true humility. True humility is all in 
and poured all the way out. It's all in. Um, what I don't want you to be doing right now, <laughs> I just had this thought. What I don't want you to be doing right now is thinking about someone else and about how they never do that, how they always interrupt, how they, how they, how they. <laughs> I don't mean this in a rude way. I, I want you to be thinking about you. When do I do that? Am I do I really listen to my spouse? Because you, you, know you know what humility does? It honors. You know what honor is? Honor gives weight to what you're saying. No matter who you are, no matter how mature you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how on the same level we are, hum, a humble person doesn't just listen, they give weight to what that person is saying. They give weight to the person who's in charge. They give weight to leadership. They give weight. I, let, I will let you impact me. <laughs> this is humility. It's, a, it's actually beautiful. Do you know how much it means to someone when they feel heard by you? Like even if you disagree with them, Come on, we're in, a, we're in an emotionally charged, a racially charged, politically charged environment. Have been for four years now. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna go ahead and go out on a limb and say there's probably a lot of Republicans in here today. Just a guess. Trump 2024. Oh, did I get you? Did it say anything wrong? Okay. Some are like, too far. <laughs> Just try to, trying to keep you awake in here. Humility would sit across from a Democrat and hear them out, would ask questions. How, how could you, what? And they would, they would not automatically put a label and go, oh, you must be, or you must not be this. There's no way you could be following the Lord and be a Democrat. There's no, no, no. Humility goes, I don't have it all figured out. I may be viewing life through a completely different lens and at least humility would go, I'll actually hear what you have to say. It's, do you know how honored that person would feel? So I'm like, yeah, yeah, pastor, but we gotta stand up for what's right and we gotta, you know, we gotta do the right thing and point out the things, yep, you do and you should, humbly. Humbly. Why? Because God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. That's why. I need, I need his grace. This has been happening since the beginning of time. James 4, he talks about Humility in this sense, James 4 verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not receive because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. 
that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, <laughs> he says, we're all selfish. <laughs> he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? What is he doing here? He's, he's showing you. you have, when you break open that jar, you pour it all out. There is no in-between. It's either me or the world. It's either, it's either pride or it's humility. It's either follow me or follow something else. He says, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And I love this part. He says, or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? You know what he's saying? He's like, or do you think that I gave you the spirit for no reason? Now, trust me, I just had to read that to y'all. I know how heavy that is, and I know what that feels like. Oh, but here comes verse six. Look at what it says. But he gives us more grace. I so love that. I'm like, thank God, I was about to throw up. It's getting crazy in here. I kept reading it, it was getting heavy. It's like, oh man, all of that is so true. But he goes, hey, but I give you more grace. I give you grace to choose me. I give you grace to side with me. He said, that's why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor or grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Did you notice this is exactly what he did with this woman? She humbled herself and he lifted her up so much so that we're talking about her today, thousands of years later. Amazing. Humility is not weakness. Come on, man, hear me today. Humility is not weakness. It's the most powerful thing you can do. It literally is the thing that releases power. Humility. <clears throat> Today, I don't think there's anything that, there's anything more humble that we can do than surrender everything to him. It's the most humble thing you can do. Just, Lord, you, you get all the oil. I'm breaking this open. I can't put it back together. It's done. It's all right here. I'm pouring it out. It's the most humble thing. It's complete surrender to him. Can I just encourage you today? Humility is not thinking of your, uh, uh, less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. You know who you are? You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a son of the most high. You're a daughter of the most high. You're purified. You're blessed. You're forgiven. You've got God almighty on your side. That is who you are. You don't, do not leave here. This is not humility. If I see you walking out of here, I'm going to come up and just 
I'm just going to kick you. Not hard. Just enough. You know what I mean? Humility is just this awareness. Like, he deserves everything. It's just this awareness. It's not my will. His will be done. It's, it's this, I'm following today. I'm following the Spirit today. I'm going to humble myself, not do what the flesh wants. I'm going to follow the Spirit. All right, well, the Spirit is saying for you to speak up and be confident in this moment. Okay, then that is the most humble thing you can do. Oh, some of y'all need to hear that. No, 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 people will take me as prideful. I don't care. That's pride. Wanting to be seen the right way. Be humble and do what he told you to do. It's following him. Hey, go pray for that person. Yeah, not today, Jesus. No, not today, Jesus. Humility says, okay. Don't want to, but I will. Humility will come into a room like this and not oppose its will upon the service. Humility, you know what it looks like in worship? It looks like you being okay with the songs the worship team picked out. Come on, Luke, say amen. <laughs> it looks like you coming in and into any, uh, I, I'll, and, and as a pastor, this is how I think, but you know, there's a lot of things that I want in a service. There's a lot of things that I expect in a service, but you know what I don't get to do? I don't get to come in and force my way. The last thing I want to do. You know what some of you need to do in a conversation? Don't force your way. Don't, don't just, don't bully your way into the conversation and bully your way out and bully all in the middle of it. <laughs> like, have some humility. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.